0: guys, It's the princess of pro wrestling, So Calval, and you are listening to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle the whole Refin Show.
1: And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle the whole Refin
2: Show.
3: Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to the whole refin show. It's episode forty-six. My name is Darren Beasley. My name's Thomas Williams. No, it's not. <laughs> Why can't it be Thomas Williams? But because your parents didn't name you that. Well, I know a Thomas Williams actually. Oh, really? You're not him. Oh, okay. No, you're. How pure... do you know he's not? You, because I, because I've well. As a matter of fact, because he's a former employee of mine, I've seen his driver's license, his social security card, and even his passport. As a matter of fact, you had you to see all of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. I'm,
0: um. I'm, were you a form? Was he a former government agent? Were you FBI, and you were his FBI director?
3: Well, he was a double agent. Oh. I don't know what a double agent is. Okay, but that just that, that just
0: means a would, really fat agent. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, no, no, that's not that. That's what i am talking Uh Okay, for uh, for posterity's sake, I am Perry Smith.
3: Good. And for honesty's sake. Yeah. And for straightforwardness. Is, and for
0: potential new listeners who don't, you know, know whose voice belongs to who. That's why we introduce ourselves. Also, it's, it's the kind thing
3: to do. Thomas Williams is not a host <laughs> or a co-host All right. or a correspondent. Or even a friend of the show. Right. Uh, That being
0: said, if you are a a fan of the show and your name is Thomas
3: Williams, nothing against you. Is that impersonal? No. And if you're Thomas Williams, who used to work for me, and you're a listener of the show, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, Let me know, Thomas. (laughs) I haven't talked to you in, like, a year and a half. I'd kinda of like to know what's up. Yeah, and check your
0: credit score because Darren had all that information. He'd, and I noticed he got a new boat
3: recently. I don't know, man. Yeah. And it, my boat's the name of my boat is the Thomas Williams. <laughs> it's called the Thomas Williams. Ha 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 ha. ha. That's kind oh, of a weird name. For. That's a weird name for a boat. Uh, whatever. Whatever works, Darren. It took me a long time to paint that by hand. <laughs> Dear listeners and Thomas Williams, yes. we are so, so excited to have you here for episode 46. This show is a little different. This is this, this show is a little different from uh, what you've been used to for the past few months. Between WWE's non-stop parade of pay-per-views, excellent independent wrestling from Fest Wrestling, Wrestle Circus, and all sorts of... Absolute wrestling insanity, which results in amazing hashtag wrestle talk and hashtag wrestle news and wrestleviews. Perry and I have not had a chance to just stop, dude, yes. and look around and say, remember when? Or let's take you back. Take you back.
0: Yeah, we don't reminisce such a long time. No,
3: I mean, remember when we used to talk about Chucky yeah. and RoboCop? Aw, we're reminiscing and, about when we used to reminisce. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a Flight of the Concord song about that, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, so, on this episode, we are going to talk about the hottest topics of the day, like we always do. Yeah. A lot of UFC, WWE chatter. Uh, a lot of WWE network chatter. Right. And an unfortunate injury has befallen one of the top women's competitors in WWE. And after we talk about the news of the day, we're gonna we're gonna talk about something new. Something a little different. Definitely a look back. (laughs) It's definitely not new. (laughs) No, it's definitely not new. Yeah. It's new to the show. Yeah. It's new to the show. Uh, because we're not necessarily talking about, um, you know, a pay-per-view, an event, a card, though.
0: It is definitely an event.
3: (laughs) It it is. It is. We are going to be discussing an album put out by the World Wrestling Federation in 1985. Yes. We're going to talk about the wrestling album. We're going to go track by track. Dear listeners, and you're going to love it. You're going to love it. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you've loved it, you'll realize that you you were going to love it all along. And you all get rich. And you all have sex tonight. Yes. Wow. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Go make it happen, everybody. Make it happen. But before you can make it happen, we're going to tackle uh, all those stories I was talking about earlier. What are they called? Headlines. So UFC, in its bid to be more professional wrestling than professional wrestling, more human than human, if you will. Rob Zombie will. Yes, and Rob Zombie will. Uh, The UFC just, uh, I guess Dana White, you know, he, he sends Conor McGregor off to fight one of the most successful boxers of all time. He lets his other champions run their mouths to pro wrestlers. In the octagon, live on pay per view. And that's exactly what we're talking about right here. John Jones, John Bones Jones, the controversial John Jones, victorious at UFC's most recent pay per view, UFC 214. He defeated Daniel Cormier to win the light heavyweight championship of UFC, the ultimate fighting championship. After the match, John Jones gets on the microphone. He doesn't challenge anyone in the UFC. You know who he challenges? Who's he challenging? Brock Lesnar. Ah, oh. Okay, and yes, Brock Lesnar. For that universal title? Right. Oh, man. That's what's so, like, what? Obviously, he's not challenging Brock Lesnar for the WWE universal title. But he <laughs> is challenging the man who is holding the WWE Universal title why shouldn't we believe that it's belt for belt I mean right I mean because Brock Lesnar as far as we know is very seriously retired from the octagon and yet John Jones isn't going to just say that sort of like when McGregor and Mayweather started talking and there were just millions of people saying it'll never happen it'll never happen yeah yes hell I knew it would happen I knew it would happen or McGregor wouldn't have bothered. You know, it's the kind of thing I feel like Mayweather would have bothered with. McGregor wouldn't have bothered. Dana White certainly wouldn't have tolerated it, not after a certain amount of time. So, as that went on, I knew it would happen. And now, John Jones, Brock Lesnar, say what you will, it's going to happen. Brock Lesnar not only retired multiple times from the UFC, And left this last time semi-disgraced by his uh, failing of the drug test. And once he re-signed with the WWE, he made a point of saying, because I'm doing this, because I will never go back in the octagon. Yet, am I wrong to think this is a done deal? I mean... This is crocodile done deal. I mean... (laughs) Does this happen in October and November? Does this happen in the new year? Does it happen before Mania or after Mania? I don't know, but it definitely is happening. Brock Lesnar wants it to happen. You know, I'm not sure exactly when the, uh, the suspension is up from when he was suspended following failure of his drug test from his last jaunt in the UFC for UFC 200. But uh, we'll see. I, I, and I definitely think that whatever happens, it's going to greatly affect when Lesnar defends successfully or loses that Universal title. I mean, we got SummerSlam coming up in three weeks. He's not going to lose the belt before then for any UFC reason. Right. But could he lose it at SummerSlam for that very reason? I don't know. What do you think?
0: Uh, well, first of all, it's a fight everyone wants to see. I'd like to see John Jones take on Brock Lesnar. Sure, uh, I think John Jones is great. If not for Brock Lesnar, you know he'd probably be my favorite UFC fighter. Probably because Brock Lesnar is a wrestler. <laughs> <More> <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, I I don't like combining wrestling with UFC. Fighting. No, because it's it's always the the bullshit of like we do it for real over here, boys. We do it for real over here, and <laughs> and it's true, you know. But it was great when they were like that to Lester, and Lester came over and became champion. I was like, well, fuck you, he does it for real over there too, baby. um So at least John Jones isn't pulling out the whole like it's it not fake, it's not fake, here, right? Baby. Um, so that's neat. Um, I do think that Dana White figured out what Vince McMahon has known all along, even though usually it's just horrible to watch, uh, just throw, it's kind of like mixing cross promoting, you know, with, with everything works. And also if I were Dana White, I'd let anyone talk trash about anyone because if there's enough hype behind it, it will happen. In the octagon, yeah. and Dana White will just make money from it. Exactly. So that's it. All just makes total sense. Dana White, like I said, is is really just following Vince McMahon's example and saying, you know, I mean that that's how Mayweather and and McGregor is happening. Just talking shit and people going, it should happen, and him going, if I pay them enough, it will happen, and I will get money for it. Okay, I, yeah, sure. Right. I mean, it, it's it's no Leno and Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> that feud that came to a head. Everyone wanted to see that. Remember that when everyone was on Twitter talking about that. Oh, that didn't exist back then. Okay, they were they were on MySpace talking. about Oh, that didn't exist. But, okay, great. I'm old. Great. They were Remember on. Remember they're uh, on stone tablets. Yeah, chiseling. We were chiseling
3: stone tablet messages yeah, to each a, other about it. Just they on. Were they on? Uh, Prodigy. Uh, oh man. AOL. America Online Man. using their Netscape Navigator. <laughs> it used to be AOL, now it's LOL. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So, as if there were any doubt that this would happen, just because the talking would not have begun if it were not going to culminate. You just, you gotta know that. Uh, the It becomes all the more evident that it's going to happen when immediately... Also, at UFC 214, the victorious Chris Cyborg tweets Triple H saying... Who's a woman, by the way, for those who don't know. Yes. Okay. Just, a, just and, a, and a human, despite her last name.
0: <laughs> I guess we should address that. Yeah, okay. Chris form.
3: Cyborg is a female human. Okay. There we go. Wow. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I guess, yeah. So that, she, that name is very misleading. It is, it is. those who don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um... She gets on her, you know, cellular device. Assuming she's not a real cyborg, and she's not doing this <laughs> with her computerized mind. Yes, um, she uses her neural network, and uh, she's a learning computer. She is a learning computer. Uh, she tweets the nice triple A. Stopping weapons. <laughs> She tweets Triple H, because um, I guess she thinks Triple H makes all the decisions. Silly, silly
0: cyborg. Either she doesn't know anything about wrestling, or she knows something we don't know. Or that's a total work.
3: Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going straight to Triple H. Oh, well, first of all, it is a total work. Well, obviously, this yeah. Is all, this all goes back to my larger point, which I'll get to in a second. But she, she tweets Triple H saying, I want Becky Lynch in the WWE at SummerSlam. Okay, well, we know Becky Lynch hangs around UFC a lot these days because she dates a UFC fighter. So she... Oh, I didn't even consider that. Yeah, She yeah, pals yeah, 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 yeah. around with a lot of those ladies and a lot of those dudes. And while I don't think Becky Lynch has any desire to enter the octagon, she certainly, I think she trains a little bit with them.
0: And that's the thing, too. It's going to be the situation. The UFC fighter comes to WWE and it's the whole, we do it for fake here. We do it for fake... That's a joke. I said the opposite earlier. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't don't like mixing the two because (laughs) people are always like, uh, you know, people who don't know wrestling and always shit on wrestling will always say the same thing where it's like, what are they even doing? What are they even doing? And and for the most part, I'd rather see Becky Lynch fight Charlotte or a number of other good wrestlers instead
3: of this happening. But Vince McMahon, you know this, Vince McMahon wants to bring that you desperately wants to bring that UFC audience that does not follow pro wrestling over to pro wrestling. And the way he's going to do it is I feel these two challenges do not come out simultaneously by coincidence. Dana and Vince or Dana and Hunter or whomever have already been on the phone Jones as far and as Le- we know, Hunter's not a real
0: Hunter, by the way. Jo-
3: Jones and Lesnar and Cyborg and Lynch are a done deal. It's a done deal. They're going to let Lesnar go over to the Octagon. They're going to let Cyborg come over to SummerSlam in Brooklyn in three weeks. And that's the trade-off. It, you know, I'm not saying... If, if, the- you, yeah, if
0: you ask me, Cyborg is upstaging Ronda Rousey. Who's been long rumored to show up in WWE... Um, ever since her her uh, her part in what WrestleMania
3: thirty uh, two, her uh, thirty one oh, actually shit,
0: her hip tossing Triple H.
3: Yeah, they just they just went a whole year because and even I mean it's to well this, it wasn't such a good year for Ronda Rousey.
0: To, that's the thing. To this day, they've been saying, "But Ronda Rousey, but Ronda Rousey, but Ronda Rousey." And I I know her and Cyborg never really got along, and like Rousey told. Cyborg like get off the get off the junk and we'll fight or whatever. This might be her going like, well, fuck you, did it first. No matter what happens, I did it first.
3: Yeah, and Sorry. and at SummerSlam, so we shall see. I don't know how this will. I do know how this will end. I I do know how this will end. Now, Darren, you just said those two matches <laughs> are almost definitely going to happen, right? And I want to see both of them. Well, I happy. want to see Cyborg versus Lynch and all of its pro wrestling worked. Predetermined glory, not so much. And I want to see Jones and Lesnar. I want to see
0: Jones and Lesnar because that'll be phenomenal. Also, I want Lesnar to beat Jones, even though they they both got a great shot at beating each other. By the way, but I do want Lesnar to beat Jones uh, and call him Broken Bones Jones, <laughs> cut like a fucking WWE fucking Paul Hammond worthy fucking. I want to, I want to, I want to interview Paul Hammond when the fight's over. Well, that's and Paul Heyman to just decimate John Jones verbally. I would love that. Yeah. At the Do it. Very if you're doing that, then do it.
3: Heyman's his legit manager. Do oh, exactly. it. Exactly. And yeah. that's what I was going to say. Even if they don't let Heyman shoot a promo... Oh, my God. Which, I mean, that would be amazing. But, but even if they don't let that happen, and I don't think Dana's probably very interested in that. Why?
1: Can, hey, can
3: Heyman Why? Heyman's please? the greatest hype man in wrestling history. Oh, I agree. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think that Heyman talking would be just... Enough over the top for Dana to probably never forgive himself for going full carney I'm not I don't say I'm not saying I agree with this I just look at the statements that Dana White has made about Vince McMahon and pro wrestling and pro wrestlers over the years you know plenty of times Dana talks out of both sides of his mouth oh well I don't I don't want to do that I've never done it I don't like it but I respect it. And then five minutes later, he's like, oh, "Stupid bullshit, like carny crap."
0: I, I think he has to play up to the 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 hardcore UFC fans who who will never appreciate wrestling for what it is. They keep saying, "Oh, fake shit, fake shit." But we we know.
3: Well, see, that's my number one reason why I want Lesnar to go back. Period. And when? And when? Because I want if because if God if Lesnar goes now to the UFC for the third time and beats a top competitor in UFC and then goes back to Monday Night Raw, I don't I don't know if I'll ever stop laughing for which, the rest of my life. Which is what I've been saying all along about
0: Lesnar. That's why I don't care that he's a part-timer. That's why I don't care that he makes so much money for his appearances because he does something that no one else can do. He legitimizes wrestling as a sport. His existence.
3: Absolutely.
0: So, I don't think a lot of wrestlers understand that or respect him for that, but you have to. Because he goes in there and he fucking fights, I hate to say it, for real. Right, And right. beats ass for real. So, you know, wrestlers can you know keep their heads held high and say like, well, we can do it if we need to, man. That's awesome. So,
3: all, all the credit in the world to Lesnar. Gotta say it. I dig it. Bring on these two matches. Sure. We'll bring on one of them. <laughs> well, you may get one that you don't even want in only three weeks. And you'll get it on the WWE Network, where SummerSlam will be airing. There's a lot of things that will not be airing on the WWE Network then, now, or forever. Aww. And that is a slew of shows that have been canceled in the wake of the Talking Smack cancellation. As, uh, dear listeners, as you may remember, we reported that Talking Smack, the talk show that followed SmackDown each week, actually it followed 205 Live uh, each week on Tuesday nights, which 205 Live on the WWE Network followed SmackDown, which aired live on the USA Network. Right. After talking smack went in the way of the dodo, WWE said, "You know what? Let's just get while the getting's good." Edge and Christian, very, very good show. Season one was excellent. Season one hit top. They they frequently said the words TNA. You know they they brought Sean Mooney back. They they brought Pete Gass back. They brought Brutus Beefcake onto WWE programming. You're naming a lot of reasons why the show should have been canceled. Oh, man. It was so good. Aww. So not only was the first season good, apparently they've already filmed half of the second season. And now they're canceling it. Wow. Does that mean we'll even get to see those those episodes? Who knows? Well, they're yeah. also making a lot of cuts to... to- Boost the
0: numbers up before like the the financial whatever quarter or something like that. Right. So I mean these shows can come right back immediately, but for now it's like we'll see. We made money because that now it's a now <sighs> it's a publicly shared. Uh, I know entity. I know. So you have to make the stockholders happy. See, I don't. Vince, you see, Vince fucked up, Darren. Vince fucked up. Yes, he did.
3: Yes, he did. When he had complete control and said, "Hey, maybe maybe not complete control."
0: Oh, oh shit! Well, now I have people to answer to.
3: That's, yep, that's no good. Yep, yep. And they're oh, and those people, by the way, are not wrestling fans. What? No, 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 no. They're oh, okay. They're investors. What? The dev. They are. They are devils. Right. They are devils from hell. They are. Mon- <laughs> they're. They are money men. I've I've never known a devil that was not from hell. Right. 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 Okay. Just just so you know. Spoken like a true socialist. Yes. Um. Let me just say. Our truth was going to be hosting a wrestling-related game show on the network. Filmed a pilot, greenlit. Oh no, canceled. Well, greenlit sometimes means uh, red lit. <laughs> I guess it does. I yeah, guess yeah. it does. Let's see, so those shows are gone. Uh, I. What else is gone? We mentioned unfiltered was gone. Another
0: unfiltered? another Renee Young show, which which costs like. an episode to make, probably. That Renee probably paid her for herself. Yeah. Like, needed a camera. You needed a camera crew, which is just waiting around anyway until they film Raw or SmackDown.
3: I thought it was great. I liked it a lot. Uh, And let me just say this, by the way. YouTube, oh yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, Southpaw Regional Wrestling, which we've never really given its due on, on this program, and we should. Southpaw Regional Wrestling, put it on the fucking network. Why is it not on WWE Network? I understand you want to play along and, oh, WWE, we use YouTube too. That's great. You also have your own network. Don't worry about YouTube. Let YouTube do its thing. Yeah. You do your thing with your own network. Yeah. If it's on YouTube, it needs to also be on the network. Right. Right. So, now they're still, they're going to pump more money into a second season, and I'm doing air quotes here, of Southpaw Regional Wrestling for YouTube only. And yet, all these network shows are getting trashed. I don't get it. I don't like it. Well, you might not like it, Darren, but you better learn to live with
0: it. And speaking of cancellations, I thought you were going to say it was the best thing going today. No, because I'm, I'm not going all I'm gonna give you half you halfway. I'm gonna tease. I'm gonna tease it a little bit. Oh you tease. I'm gonna show you a bit of leg. I'm gonna put it away. I'm gonna put it away. Yeah,
3: put, put your leg away. i to put my
0: leg away. Uh speaking of cancellations, uh might be canceling a match at SummerSlam. Uh-oh. So if one of the competitors Uh-oh. is unable to compete, I'm talking about Bailey. Oh no. Bailey. Unfortunately. She's a hugger. She's a hugger. Well, it's gonna be hard for her to hug because she suffers a face hugger. She suffer <laughs> Probably,
3: I don't know. she'll impregnate your face. She,
0: yeah, uh, she suffered a arm injury, I believe, shoulder injury. Shoulder
3: injury, yeah,
0: around. at uh, the last RAW. So I guess they're gonna want her to take it easy between now and Summerslam because they want her to probably uh, compete at Summerslam. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they want her to compete at Summerslam. They'll probably have her com- compete at Summerslam. Yeah, it's her, her and Alexa Bliss fighting for that RAW Women's Championship. And uh Bailey uh I don't I don't know how I feel about Bailey these days.
3: How about how do you feel about Bailey? Oh, that's a tough one. I like Bailey. I I like Bailey. That's how I feel about her these days. I mean I just it's nothing against her, it's just the booking of Bailey. Well, it's man, how often do we just say it's the booking? Period when we're talking about WWE. And we say it because it's absolutely the case. Yeah, this is not Bailey's fault. This is not Alexa's fault. Sasha's fault. It's not might be sorry. It's not the locker rooms' fault. It's not the talent's fault. It is absolutely the booking, because you know, as you're sitting there talking about it, the, I'm I'm already thinking. Well, wait a minute. So we're we gonna have a Raw Women's Title match, a SmackDown Women's Title match, and potentially. This cross-promotion match with Becky Lynch and Chris Cyborg. I mean, if you got three singles women's matches at SummerSlam, that's badass. I'm all for it. Especially if they're good matches. But... I just had a thought. What's that? You, Darren Beasley,
0: just gave me an idea. Okay. SummerSlam. Raw's gonna be there. SmackDown's gonna be there championships will be defended. Right. They're trying to get the most uh, title defenses uh, on a wrestling show, or a WWE wrestling show, on SummerSlam. That's Wait. that's their goal. Wait, that's that's a thing that you know? But that's an actual goal, yes. Okay, I didn't know that. They, they want to get the most title defenses than, than they've ever had. They want to break the record of title defenses. When in, did you hear that? In one night. I read. I have eyes. Okay, I read things, Darren.
3: You have, you have, you
0: have eyes? I have eyes. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what could happen if Raw champions are there and SmackDown champions are there, Darren? What could happen? Yeah. What if Baron Corbin or Carmella cashed their money in the bank for a Raw championship? And I say that... You're nodding your head no. And it's, well, very, it's very rude. No. You're being very rude right I'll now. I'll tell you why. And I'm I'll let tell you say you, first. And I'll tell you why it could happen. Okay. Is they're okay. talking about another superstar shakeup. Oh, I and know. In the imminent future, what better way to get someone off the show than to
3: make that happen? I don't know. Well, I will say this. Please say things. Those Money in the Bank contracts, the... Those stipulations are for certain belts. Only those specific
0: belts. Not Correct. any women's championship. Not any heavyweight title.
3: Correct. Okay. Uh, and the reason I say that is because, you know, Baron Corbin is not going to cash it in against AJ Styles for the U.S. belt. He may. Or, or not. No, he's not. Because right. that money in the bank contract That's is true. for. The belt that Jinder Mahal is currently that is true. That they'd probably repeat the verbiage. But let me say this: if it were for any title, correct. But let me say this: in light of you having that thought, it would not surprise me at all if WWE switched horses midstream. Because WWE is always going to do whatever works for them in the moment, regardless of whatever they've said in the past, or any precedent, or anything of the of the sort, and they'll totally, if they thought it would be a good idea, go, uh, no. It, you know, as a matter of fact, it just says, it just says championship. Well, I'm not
0: a fan of it so much happening with Corbin getting involved with Lesnar, um, but more so Carmella doing it to Alexa Bliss I like a lot. Also, like it. also, it gets Carmella on Raw with Big Cass.
3: Yeah, uh, that would be good because yeah, if Cass isn't going to have Enzo, he needs someone. He needs a but little that's bit of the thing. Apparently, Cass can't make it without a mouthpiece, and Enzo can't make it without a giant. Oh, oh, wait a minute. That's why they made a good tag oh, team. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? No Enzo rants on this. You know, there, there actually there are like Enzo headlines, and I'm not even going to get into it. Oh wow! wow. I'm not even going to get into it. Okay, I'm going to get into it. Here's Uh, here's here's a rant about why he won't rant. No, here's here's a mini rant. Uh, Apparently, they did another "Bring It to the Table." I haven't seen it, and it's that it's that worked shoot. For dear listeners who may not know, "Bring It to the Table." WWE Network show that they haven't canceled. By the way, not yet. Uh, it's a worked shoot, like, uh, pardon the interruption, style show. Uh, they're desperately trying to, you know, like we said, they want to have, they want to have everything, in like inside the WWE umbrella that may have existed only outside the WWE umbrella. You know. We always said WWE wanted its own ROH, so they created NXT. Then uh, wrestling podcasts became popular, much like this one. WWE said we want our own, so they put Stone Cold Steve Austin and his podcast on the network. Then they look at ESPN and they're like, oh, people like ESPN shows like Pardon the Interruption and that sort of thing. Okay, let's let's do sort of a gimmicky version of that on the network. The problem is, as we've said a million times, if it's on the network, if it's under the jurisdiction of Vince McMahon, it's going to be at least somewhat of a work, or it's at least going to be uh, sort of, you know, you're going to have a, a, shit, what's it called? A, a restrictor plate uh, to make a NASCAR uh, allusion. Um this is the first ever reference to NASCAR it is, on our show, I believe. It, and, uh, but it's sort of that's that, what that shit's fake. That's sort of what it is. Well, it is by very nature of a restrictor plate. But let's not let's not talk about that. Um, it's fixed. On bring it to the table. Uh, apparently, there's a new episode, and I have not seen it. Both Corey Graves and JBL take the opportunity to slam Enzo Amore, the man behind Enzo Amore, uh, for by basically saying everything the big cast said was true. And uh, apparently, as reported, it was all done sort of seemingly out of character, about Enzo out of character. Uh, This, of course, followed the story uh, that was released saying that Roman Reigns had kicked Enzo Amore off of a talent bus on a recent trip because he was so annoying. And apparently there is now a great deal of heat on Enzo Amore for a shoot backstage, again that's a shame. JBL went so far as to say, "On bring it to the table." Enzo Amore will not be in the WWE for very much longer. All I'm going to say is, if we hear that Enzo's future endeavored, even as late as December, just basically any time before the end of this year, one, I'll give, I will give a gold star to bring it to the table for. Reporting something that was kind of a shoot, uh, living up to, or I guess defying what it what it's supposed to be, right? Or or what it or, or living up to what it's supposed to be Which is a worked shoot. But um, but I will also be furious that uh, it all came to pass uh, just as JBL probably wished. Because they're all like, "Oh, he's annoying. He should leave the company forever." <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, JBL, you're annoying. You know what's annoying? Sticking your soapy hands up my ass. <laughs> you know what? Please get rid of JBL. Right. Anyway, Un-
0: unwanted sexual advan- uh, advances in the locker room from JBL is what we're talking about here. For those who don't know, um, so yeah, there's that. I mean, but yeah, you, you there's vessels who have gotten away with with far worse than you know. I don't like your political views, or I'm just really fucking annoying. You know, Enzo hasn't send him to to anger management, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like Sin Cara got sent to. Like I mean it just depends. I don't know. I, mean, I I Enzo's your thing that you get upset about, you know? I I'm I'm fine with the whole thing Enzo and the Big Cass oh. being broken up and Okay. Whatever. I mean, it's 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 raw. It's WWE, they're going to make bad decisions sometimes and I'm
3: I'm just kind of I'm over it. I, I'm I'm over being furious about stuff. I understand that, and I should not be furious uh, as a grown man and as someone who has a keen understanding of the business as it is as a work, and I have had it for over half of my life, and I have worked in the business, uh, and we cover it with in excruciating, scrutinizing detail. I should not do that. And really, I don't. But what I do get truly furious about for a shoot is no way, Jose. the fact that now we're talking about Enzo Amore, the man, and him possibly losing his job. It's no longer about the character or the story of Enzo and Cass or their worked breakup on television. Right. Now we're talking about, wait a minute. He pissed off a couple of guys, and now the company's gonna shit can him. No, that's a dude's livelihood. That's a dude's like dream. And where does Enzo Amore go after that? He doesn't go anywhere. That's the thing. That's the thing. He goes. He goes nowhere outside of WWE. He goes to Fest Wrestling, yeah. baby. But he doesn't go as Enzo Amore. and that name it just that's that's him. I mean. Enzo more uh, he he kind of like he's very much that name. Well, wow. he's very much that name. But anyway, I said I wasn't going to rant about Enzo. I did anyway. Let me just go back for a second, and uh, before we wrap up here, we're talking about the Bailey injury, and we're talking about women's matches at SummerSlam. Now imagine this: three singles women's matches at SummerSlam, which. Would be amazing. It's got to be a record, right? And yet would also leave about a dozen extremely talented women off the card entirely. Yeah, it's like now you have women's singles matches? Like, who's booking this? Like, But uh, we'll see. I and mean, they may not be. We may get, you know, let's just say the Cyborg Lynch match happens. That might be the only damn singles match. And you might, just like they've been doing over and over, have like, Oh, these six women for the Raw match and these four women for the SmackDown women's title. And it's like, stop it. If you're going to have 12 matches on the card, make five of them women's matches. Like, is this truly the women's evolution in wrestling here? 50-50. Card 50-50. Men and women why not i'm with you man hey i I, i'm there with you i would way don't hit me way rather see charlotte than the new day
0: no i I totally understand that so yeah Yeah. charlotte would be pretty nice to see charlotte not being one of these women who's wrestling at the event that's 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 a big deal um but also i mean this is going to happen uh pretty close to we finally get to see that may young classic we've heard so much about that's right so that's interesting so, yeah, I mean, plans change. We're only a couple weeks out from SummerSlam, so I doubt plans will change that drastically. But I think all that matters to WWE is that cyborg lynch match, really. <laughs> Just that cross promotional match. Um, but you'll never get hardcore UFC fighters to watch WWE, no matter what you do. So, I'll say that. And, uh, yep, yeah, that's pretty much it for the headlines. Uh, a lot of, uh, actually, there's a lot of rumors out there, folks. There's a lot of rumors out there, a lot of potential news, but you know what? We don't report rumors. We don't report rumors uh, because we don't want to lead you down the wrong path. God knows we were saying all kinds of stuff when the whole Corgan TNA shit was going on because there was something new every week. We've learned a lesson there. We don't know. We don't know until we know, folks. And then when we know, you know, we tell you. Uh, So, obviously, a lot of news uh, from today, what's going on today in wrestling. But now, we're going to flip the script and turn things around and talk about yesteryear. We're taking things back to the ripe old age of 1985 for our review of the wrestling album. So, Darren, if you were a big wrestling fan when you were a kid... In the growing up in the 80s and the early 90s, and I assume you were, yes. Uh, I was. Okay, so it's a a pretty fair assumption. Uh, Chances are you owned this album. I'm talking about one of WWF's musical endeavors
3: 1985's The Wrestling Album. The Wrestling Album. This is the Wrestling Album. Vince McMahon, boy. He is definitive. If nothing, if he's nothing else, he is he is definitive. This is the wrestling album. (laughs) It is it is an album. It's the album about wrestling by wrestling. It's the wrestling album. It's like the Beatles, the White Album. Right, the wrestling album. It's the wrestling album. Is someone else gonna try and ride our coattails and the rock and wrestling? That's fine. Make your album and call it what you want. I'm calling this album the wrestling album. That's right. So if anybody goes into a record store and they're like, "Do you have that? Um, do you have that? Uh, did you have that, that uh, wrestling album?" Well, we have the wrestling album. Right. Oh yeah, of course. That's what I want. Prob- if I want a, a wrestling album, I probably want the wrestling album. What makes more sense is calling this wrestling the album.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, maybe not the wrestling album. That just sounds like that was a working title and, it, and they forgot to give it a proper title also we'll go back we'll, like Vince McMahon yeah also yeah so we'll go back we'll work on the uh, the wrestling album and then we'll uh, <laughs> Oh shit we didn't uh, they printed the ads okay yeah that's fine Just what does say, it say fine. does it
3: say the wrestling album
0: yeah mm, all right that's all right. that's good <laughs> that's good enough
3: and this is a uh, th- th- this predates uh, pile driver correct yes cuz pile driver is the wrestling album 2 right i think it's pile driver the wrestling album 2 yeah or the, something like that if you want to see
0: some ridiculous music video of a bunch of big sweaty dudes working construction uh the music video for pile
3: driver is softcore porn
0: it really is <laughs> it really is it's more like hogan and
3: coco and all kinds of folk it is it is like a, a sexual fantasy <laughs> I'm not saying it's Vince McMahon's sexual fantasy, but I'm not, not saying that either. Right, right, of course. Um, Yeah, he he likes wrestlers.
0: and But
3: Piledriver, the wrestling album, too, is for another day. Right. On this day, we're talking about the wrestling album. The wrestling album, which uh, is comprised of uh, some original
0: music, a lot of original music. And some uh, original theme songs, uh, some entrance music for wrestlers. Right. At uh, a
3: period when that was pretty new. Right. Pretty
0: new to the wrestling game. Yeah, because uh, back in the early, early days, they came out to just regular songs. just
3: Right. They came out to the hits when at, Hulk Hogan. And even that was had barely happened. I mean, we're talking about an era where basically... There was no music. There's just no music at all. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh... Then all of a sudden, you know, there's definitely argument over who was the first person to come out, you know, to music. I mean, I think there is credit given to Gorgeous George uh, way, way, way back. Like, much earlier than even even whoever had the music the second time. Um, And I believe Gorgeous George came out to Pomp and Circumstance, which, you know, of course... Macho Man Randy Savage would make his own and make Extremely Famous later. And, of course, make every single teenage boy giggle at his own high school graduation. Right. But then, you know, I know that Michael P.S. Hayes loves to take credit for introducing the idea of entrance music with Freebird for himself and the fabulous Freebirds. Um, I know the Junkyard Dog... Came out to Another One Bites the Dust, which was pretty amazing. <laughs> and uh, Hulk Hogan, very famously, at WrestleMania 1, makes his entrance with Mr. T to the theme Eye of the Tiger, the Dep- Survivor song from Rocky. Depending on how you watch the uh, the match, by the way. Yeah. 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 As a matter of fact, I remember, and this this is going to get way confusing as we cover these other tracks later, both tracks that I'm about to mention, even though Hulk Hogan and Mr. T entered in Madison Square Garden in 1985 at WrestleMania One to Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, I remember in the Attitude Era, and maybe even a little bit earlier, when WWF would show replays of that and they would have Hogan and Mr. T coming out to the theme song that, that Hulk Hogan is credited as having on the wrestling album, which is not Real American. No. Even later, I think it would be dubbed over with Real American, but we'll talk about those again later. Right. For now, though, the wrestling album the wrestling album. It starts with a song called The Land of a Thousand Dances.
0: Yeah, this song uh, was not written by them, obviously. Um, It's actually a very old song. Um made famous by Wilson Pickett. You may recall the the na 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 famously from the red outdoors. I think a lot of people remember it from that. Um so this is that song only with the wrestlers
3: singing uh instead. And that little help from actual musicians as well. Yeah, yeah, the band that plays this song and is featured in the music video uh, Is comprised of Rick Derringer, Cindy Lauper in disguise, uh, her boyfriend, manager, producer David Wolf, and on the drums, Meatloaf. Of course, Meatloaf, friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> One day, Meatloaf frequently mentioned on the show. <laughs> uh, we treat him like he's a friend. I mean, hey man, constantly, constantly making reference to Meatloaf. So you got a full band playing here, and uh, obviously you want to have a lot of... This is the intro. This is the intro to the wrestling album. You're wanting to introduce the wrestlers. Um, The song's called Land of a Thousand Dances. I think you might be okay calling this song Land of a Thousand Wrestlers. (laughs) Because they're very well may have been... 1,000 wrestlers on the stage. Absolutely. Uh, Okay. Let's start with naming just the wrestlers that actually have singing parts in the song. Right? Yeah. Opens up with Mr. Fuji. uh, Which, you gotta love Mr. Fuji, right? Then, The Rock, not Rocky Maivia, not Dwayne Johnson. The Rock, Don Morocco. The Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Greg the Hammer, Valentine. Captain Lou Albano, my all-time favorite manager. Classy Freddie Blassie. Rowdy Roddy Piper. The Iron Sheik. Vincent Kennedy McMahon himself. Boy, isn't he proud of himself. Mean Gene Okerlund. Jesse the Body Ventura. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hillbilly Jim, One of my top 25 all-time favorite wrestlers, Hillbilly Jim. That luscious Johnny Valentine, Nikolai Volkoff, the Junkyard Dog, SD, Special Delivery Jones, King Kong Bundy, Cowboy Bob Orton, the Ace, Adrian Adonis, this is before he was adorable, just regular Adrian Adonis, <laughs> Jim the Anvil Nightheart, Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, and Uncle Elmer. All right, Uncle Elmer. You you go, God. That's a lot of dudes. Like that's a lot of meat on a stage, and uh, all of them are seeing. Surely that's all the rest- no. That is not all the wrestlers on the stage. There is a plethora. Would you say there is a plethora of other wrestlers on the stage? there is There no, definitely
0: it would be yes there
3: are the now i'm going to list all the wrestlers that are on the stage that aren't even singing and i mean i'm sure they're part of the nine i don't know but they don't have their you know they don't have their own line or anything they're simply just standing there which is odd because because ev- everyone basically has two lines right right yeah you could have just given all these people that second line. right no, no we, no, we no. don't know what Haku's gonna say no, he's not gonna say anything <laughs> he's not gonna say anything uh, and all these other people also say nothing. And uh, some of them are probably going to surprise you because they're great. You know, Not all these people were great talkers, but some of them really were. But anyway, so all the other wrestlers which are just kind of sashaying on the stage and clapping their hands above their head uh, include Brett the Hitman Hart, Terry Funk, who's incredibly out of place uh, in this in this mix, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Haku, The Missing Link, Wendy Richter, The Fabulous Moolah, The Macho Man Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth. How does Randy Savage not get a line in? It's uh, it's unreal. Howard Finkel. Okay, yeah, because then I guess uh, they're like, uh, okay, here's The Office. Here's The Office. So it's like, you get Howard Finkel, Chief J. Strongbow, uh, Arnold Skolin, the golden boy, Arnold Skolin, Gorilla Monsoon, and it's like, all right, they're there. <laughs> George the Animal Steel, who at one point is all hugged up like a weird gorilla, the weird gorilla that he is, mm-hmm. on David Wolf, and it's very uncomfortable. It made me feel very uncomfortable. But. <laughs> uh, and Also, Barry Wyndham and Mike Rotundo. And uh, Tito Santana, Leapin' Lanny Poffo, for those of you who may not know who Leapin' Lanny was, that's uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage's real brother, mm-hmm. his real-life brother for a shoot. He was later known as the Genius and managed Mr. Perfect, and, as well as the uh, the Beverly Brothers. The Brothers Beverly. We also have Jumpin' Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair, a.k.a. the Killer Bees. Tony Atlas is very briefly seen, as well as Pat Patterson. And then there's three people that for the life of me, I cannot determine who they are. There's a man in a mask. Uh us see, the masked superstar. Yeah, I don't know who he is. I don't recognize the mask. I don't know who he is. Then there's a fat white guy who kind of looks like Francis from people. I was Big thinking the same thing. <laughs> I didn't say it, but, oh, that's great. And... I've never seen this man's face before. Like, I'm watching the music video and thinking, who in the hell is that? And I still don't know. Dear listeners, do you know? Can you tell me who the big fat white guy who looks like Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, who is he? Who is the masked wrestler? Who's the only masked wrestler on the stage. And they're kind of near each other and then there's one more guy who's standing near them and I'm thinking is that Greg Ganya? Was Greg Ganya in the WWF ever? And was he there then when I think AWA was actually still vital? Probably not. But he kind of looks like I don't even know what he looks like. He looks like he looks like an ECW jobber I can from see that, ECW from a decade later. But he kind of looks like he has a Scott like a sparkly Scott Hall vest. I don't know who he is. So those three guys don't know who they are. We even know who all the damn musicians are. Yeah, And yet there's three wrestlers on that stage in this huge crowd of wrestlers who neither Perry nor myself have any idea who they are. So, dear listeners, if you know, please tweet us, email us, Instagram, however you communicate with us. We'll tell you how later on. Let (laughs) us know. Let us know. Absolutely.
0: Okay, the song itself... uh, is the na-na-na-na song. Uh, <laughs> and the wrestlers that I guess they deemed worthy to jump in, I guess they were the hottest wrestlers at the time, even though, again, Savage not getting a line kind of makes me wonder why. Well, um, this is
3: 85, so he isn't
0: quite
3: huge yet.
0: I also don't know who if the lines are all improvised. They like, hey, you write a line, it's got to rhyme with this, or if whoever wrote the song... Said, like, (laughs) all right, you say this. All right, this one's for Piper, this this. one's for Jimmy Hart. Yeah, yeah, because Piper seems very specific toward Hogan. Hogan's such a yo yo. Oh, yeah, Hogan's such a yo yo. Hogan's such a yo yo. A yo yo. He's a yo yo. But also calling someone a yo yo, that's a very Piper thing. I I feel like that, like, one went, okay, you say something. All right, you say something, it rhymes with that. All right, you say something. You say something that rhymes with that. It seems more likely to me. Um, but anyway, and yeah, we'll, we're we're really we're are breaking this track down more than I, I I assume anyone has ever broken this track down. Uh, we're really analyzing the hell out of this. Uh, well, this, this thing. I I
3: think it, it I think it needs this kind of treatment. It needs you this, need to know analysis. What... Why is Adrian Adonis gonna turn you into a French fried potato? I'm gonna slice it like a French fried potato! Hey man. What, what purpose does that serve? Does that make you easier to uh, pin? Right. In a wrestling exhibition? And Bobby Heenan is gonna stretch you from here to New Jersey. Gonna you to New
0: Jersey. I-
3: He's gonna stretch. Bobby Heenan is
0: gonna exactly. stretch you. Exactly. Heenan is not a wrestler. Also, what if you already live in New Jersey? Right.
3: Does that mean he's not going to mess with you? Well, he's no, he's probably going to stretch you, but just not far. Okay. I'm going to stretch you from New Jersey to New Jersey. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, Freddie Blassie manages to, to cram neck Geek in he, there. He gets, he gets his, his spot in, I you with my
1: game. you net Geek
0: going to get all his shit in here. And <laughs> gets his verbal spot in. Um, so yeah, and, and also Hogan suspiciously uh, not on Where this is Hulk Hogan
3: in this Where It makes is he no this? sense. Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't all the lines be Hogan's lines, yeah. Um, y- yes, as a matter of fact, all the lines should be Hogan's
0: lines. So it is odd because it seems like it is all hands on deck. It's it's all the it's all
3: the uh, commentators, it's all the wrestlers, it's all the backstage personalities. Um, it's almost hard to believe all of these people are under contract at one time. Absolutely, especially this, er, especially in 1985. I had no idea the
0: roster was that big in 1985. It's incredible until you see them all na na naing
3: next to each other. Yeah, and, and in case you didn't pick up on it while I was reading that list earlier, dear listeners, just hit rewind, hit that 15 second backward button several times. And you'll get to where I'm reading this list, and you'll be like, "What?" <laughs> if you didn't already think that, you will think it now when you hear. And, and the thing is, that's so beautiful. Not only is this roster this big and this deep, it's this roster. It's the I've got a cool name and a cool nickname, and when we get all those people on the on the roster at the same time, Jesse the Body Ventura, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Right. King Kong Bundy. I mean, it's crazy. These guys are
0: gimmicked up. You know, it's not just, Hi, I'm Becky
3: Lynch. Hi, I'm
0: Sasha Banks. Well, she's the boss. use uh, a bad example. But I mean, yeah. It, it's, Hi, I'm Billy Young Nuts. There's still that, there's still that, uh, nowadays in WWE, there's still the whole, when for a very long time, they were trying to make it look more like UFC. So it was just Dan Jones. And just, you know, black trunks and wrestling gear. Ted Jones, <laughs> <laughs> every <He does> Ted <laughs> Dan
3: Dan Jones, Jones and Ted Jones. Well, they were a tag team. They were, they were a brother tag team. The, the the worst example of all, and this is when I was like, this to me, this w- was worse than Dan Jones. And, yeah, yes, because okay. this is a real one. <laughs> oh, wow. it's only worse because it's a, an actual one. Okay, uh, it was the Nadir of the entire uh, departure in that direction. Daniel Pewter, like literally came out he was an MMA guy he came in as an MMA guy he came to the ring in MMA gear he went by Daniel Puder <laughs> you know I mean couldn't call him Danny Putes or something uh, like that yeah, Danny Putes well, that, that might have been me something. and Danny Putes we go back a long ways. way so. well, me and Julio are down by the schoolyard Uh <laughs> don't want to watch Daniel Pewter, and we don't want to watch UFC, if we're trying to watch WWE. If I want to watch UFC, guess what? There's this little thing called UFC. Yeah. But anyway.
1: Okay, now earlier
3: in this episode,
0: you said you loved the idea that UFC fighters are fighting wrestlers. Now, here you are, saying the opposite.
3: I I like cross-promotion between Two different things. Cross pollination. I don't I like it. want. Yes, absolutely. I just wanted to say cross pollination. Yeah, you Cross contamination, if you will. I don't know how many of you are serve safe certified, but uh, you know, got your shoes for cruise. And you know on. what? Hey, let us know. We'll give you some ways. How, 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 <laughs> how many of you are wearing shoes for cruise right now? <laughs>
0: I, I've I've owned several uh, pairs of
3: shoes for cruise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh some people who never had a job like that are like, "What the fuck are they talking about? The
3: shoes for crew
0: for, <laughs> for Apollo crews? They're all obnoxiously southern. If you're wearing shoes uh, for <laughs> you're wearing shoes for Apollo Cruise. I was uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet to them. I was on my tractor listening to your podcast.
3: Now I'm inside with my lamp (laughs) atop. And, of course, they just mean the the tops of their thighs. Yes. Not their portable computer. Yeah. Okay. So, I like cross-pollination. Okay. Cross-promotion between two different entities. I don't want one entity to pretend to be the other. Then the cross-promotion and the cross-pollination ceases to be special. Okay. You know what I mean?
0: I understand. I
4: understand. That's fine.
0: So that is the very first track on the wrestling album, Land of a Thousand Dances.
4: It's McMahon. Jesse Ventura reads like the who's who, but that was, I'm glad to get away from it. Really. Indeed. That was a battle royal of music. If there ever was one, I'll tell you that's funky
1: chaotic rock. If I ever heard it, wasn't King Kong Bundy great.
4: He was off key. Was he ever? I'll tell you though. I happen to be next to junkyard dog. And he was superb, really. Junkyard
1: Dog, let me tell you something. The dude's got no business being in rock and roll. He sounds like a mutt with a bad bone in his mouth.
4: Give me a break. He's on his way downstairs to do a single right now. As a matter of fact, I can't believe this. He's down in Studio C getting ready to do... What is this? Grab Them Cakes? Well, Darren,
0: you better G-R-A-B-T-H-E-M-C-A-K-E-S because the next track on the album is Grab Them Cakes. By JYD,
3: the junkyard dog. Well, he doesn't care what it takes. No, no, because he's gonna go. (laughs) Because once you get started, it's hard to stop. You gotta go for your partners. You know, you know what? what. No, I don't. And that's my question. What are the cakes? Is it is it the buttocks? It's the buttocks, is what I'm gonna go with. Yeah. If I had to wager, I'd go with buttocks. I'd I'd go
0: with uh, your your partner as pastries. that he. (laughs) The <laughs> pastries about, and you got to grab them while they're not looking. Like you turn, you get them dancing, have the back turned to the pastries. You
3: grab with your arm. Go, you got to go for your partners. You know, you know what? what.
0: Right, but the, th- the trick is we don't which know are, what.
3: Which are cakes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's the 80s, man. It's the 80s. This uh, really is kind of, you know, not a bad song. It's not bad as as
0: far as the. uh, Hey, we'll let the wrestler basically do their own thing. Junkyard Dog does a good job. He does. And also, it's a smoother voice than you think would come out of the Junkyard Dog. This 310 pound man. Uh, who wears a giant uh, metal chain around his neck. Um, and Let's
3: not forget the, Dog. the ass of his pants says thump. <laughs> Which is my favorite part. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, so at one point, Junkyard Dog, he sort of gets like almost manic. Oh,
4: honey, it's a little bit like the wolf man again. Oh, no, but it's the dog, baby. 310 pounds and nothing but twisted. Still a little bit of sensibility.
3: It's, you don't know, is it, is it just him talking very fast? Is it like uh, the recording sped up? Or is it like, you know, like digitized, like Max Headroom style? Uh, where he's like, uh, 302 pounds off, was it Seal and sex appeal? That's like, that's interesting. I was like, that was way too artistic for the Junkyard Dog. Uh, really too artistic for the wrestling album. But, uh, maybe it was a happy accident. Maybe it was a happy accident. There you go. But boy, that's an interesting track.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's it's definitely one that I, I listen to all the way through. Uh, some of these tracks I don't listen to all the way through. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. I, I will say that.
3: Oh, and uh, in closing, this is the first opportunity we get to hear uh, Jesse Ventura say something that's so, perhaps maybe a little racist. I don't know. He says uh, grits, sounds like grits spewing out of the mouth of the junkyard dog. While that may be just more um, regionalist, uh, Jesse Ventura being from the from the old Northwest, if you will. Uh, sort of looking down his nose at Southerners and the, the fact that they eat grits. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, it's borderline offensive um, in an era where wrestling thrived on the offensive. First of all, it's an era where political correctness had not quite taken hold. And uh, the, uh, the pro wrestling world was, uh, for better and for worse, a quite the arena, no pun intended, for that type of, of uh, I guess, ignorant or at least negligent type of talk. Uh, Especially from the heels. We'll say negligent.
0: And also, I mean, people like Heenan and Ventura, who are probably
3: the worst perpetrators. Um, Uh, As far as regularity, absolutely. I still say Dr. D, David Schultz, the worst ever.
0: Well, I mean, Schultz (laughs) may have been a a whole other case. But as far as Ventura and Heenan, it just seemed like they, they were only concerned with saying the wrong thing. I mean just just from a standpoint of like pushing the character of the brain and oh absolutely of of ventura, um, so I mean, yeah, it's just the way it seemed, so anyway, uh, grab them cakes, Junkyard dog
1: all right oh, that the defo-
4: dog getting down if i could expostulate just momentarily on the virtues of junkyard dog i think he can sing as good as he can wrestle even you had to be impressed jesse
1: i'm not impressed let me tell you what it sounded like he had a mouthful of grit spewing out at the microphone hey
4: jesse ventura there is a new artist out called derringer have you heard about it that's right and it's dedicated to me all american jesse the body. No, no 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 it's dedicated to mike rotundo and barry windham
1: Well, let me just say this, then Derringer should have stayed buried with rock and roll Hoochie Goo.
4: And on the contrary, Jesse Ventura, the name of the song is Real American, the artist Derringer.
0: Which brings us to one that's for Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, which it it isn't. Ultimately, it isn't. Uh, we're talking about a very well-known track. This is Real American. I am a real American. I'm a real American, which uh, became infamously Hulk Hogan's theme song, which, again, is really odd because this album sets it up as uh, Windermann Rotundo's uh, new entrance music. And I guess Hogan was just like, nah, I like that one, brother. <laughs> which is even more interesting considering later on you hear, quote, Hogan's theme, and it's not <laughs> Hogan's theme. Um, no, so that's, that's not, very, not at all. It's very no. interesting. I would like to know the story behind that, especially considering there's this the CD, there's documentation that this is for Wyndham and Rotundo. In fact, Jesse Ventura himself says that. Uh, at the end of the track, he can't believe. yeah, yeah, um, and by <laughs> the way, if uh, for those of you if you haven't uh, we haven't quite mentioned it, but uh, after every single track, you do get a bit of uh, commentary from uh, McMahon and uh, Gino Okerlund and Jesse Ventura. Those are the voices you're hearing between uh, our our critiques here, um, which is great, by the way, which another way to bring in a wrestling element into the album that way you're listening to a music CD. But you're still getting that wrestling element. Forget the
3: fact that this is all wrestlers singing. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I thought that was
0: very well
3: done. It's a nice touch. And it makes sense when you, this album coming out in 1985. And you think about like comedy albums from the 70s. Right. Like listening to Cheech and Chong or something. And it's not like, oh, I'm listening to a record, a collection of songs. Right. It's like, and you know, it's... Along the lines of musical albums that were concept albums that told a story with the music, then you have comedy albums where it was almost like you were listening to a movie or you were watching them perform live on stage. Right. The wrestling album sort of attempted to bring that feeling as well. Absolutely. That I guess this album is being recorded on different floors of a building like with Vince McMahon saying, the Junkyard Dog has now gone downstairs to record. And so it's like the whole album is happening live and you're just listening in. Or you're watching wrestling on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. and That's cool. No, I mean, I, I, just listening to the
0: entire album, you get the idea that they rented out a studio for like a day or a weekend and I'm sure all the wrestlers are standing around in their wrestling attire, picking up things that are highly breakable, <laughs> and, and just kind of like shaking them and listening to them, and not knowing what they do. And there's a lot of because
3: they're wild animals. There's a
0: lot of people, like a lot of like stage hands, going like, "No, no, no, don't touch that!" Or "No, no, no, put that down!" And and, and they're trying to eat things that aren't edible. I can totally and, see that. And, uh, yeah, I can totally see that. So, and this kind of does paint that picture. So
3: it does. So, okay, we've addressed the fact that this was supposed to be for Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, uh, but it's not. And so now that we've addressed that, let's address the track itself and how it, of course, became inexorably linked to the most famous wrestler that ever was. It is probably the quintessential wrestling theme of all time. Exactly, because it is, if you see Hulk Hogan... During that stretch of time when he was the king of the planet Earth. Hulkamania, brother. That's what's playing in the background. Yeah. If you see Red and Yellow with your eyes, you're hearing this song. Absolutely. You're not seeing Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. No. You're seeing the immortal one, Hulk Hogan. And... uh,
0: Say your prayers, work hard, eat your vitamins. I mean, that's crazy.
3: This track... uh, I mean, this track will make people weep. Make grown men
0: weep. So make me do another five minutes on the elliptical, man. I mean, that, that's what it's for. It'll make you do a lot of things. This... this is, we can't use Eye of the Tiger anymore. We need an Eye of the Tiger. And this is Eye of the Tiger. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. Right. It's mean, the most patriotic song ever written.
0: But even when I hear it, I don't think of America and go, that's right, America, I think Hulk Hogan, wrestling.
3: Oh, yeah, I don't see red, white, and blue. No, I, I see, see I see red, yellow, and yellow. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Red, yellow, and orange. Orange being the color of Hulk Hogan's skin. <laughs> and, the uh, color of hot dogs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the color hot dog.
3: The color hot dog? Is that the sequel to Color Purple? Yes, it is. Uh, it went straight to VHS. To Stardult Gogan. Uh, <laughs> as the Whoopi Goldberg character. But yeah, I mean that uh, what else is there to say about Real American? It is the most iconic track
0: in all of wrestling. Love it or hate it, it it, it that song is the music of wrestling. Also, if you hate it, <laughs> then get out. Then get out! <laughs> you wherever you're hearing this podcast, leave your car, leave your leave the room you're in, get out.
1: I am a real American Fight for the rights of every man I am a real American Fight for what's right Fight for your life
3: Jesse Ventura is about to give credit where it is not due, and Wyndham and Rotundo, who really w- won't won't be around much longer in the company anyway. It's very odd seeing Barry Wyndham or hearing him mentioned in WWF terms in an era where he most definitely belonged uh, down south in the NWA. Right, and also I say this every day of my life.
1: I can't believe that's for Wyndham and Rotundo, Derringer. You should have buried yourself and stayed buried. Ah, come on, Jesse. Eat your heart out.
4: Oh, speaking of eat your heart out, that happens to be the title of our next cut, Jesse Ventura.
1: That's right. Eat your heart out, Rick Springfield. By the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Now there is true talent. Let's hear true talent. You ready for it, Gene? I think so.
3: Oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Jimmy Hart, I know you're a musician. You fancy yourself a musician. And you're definitely a better singer than most, especially on the wrestling album. But it's it, it's, sort, it's sort of sad to watch you write, try and write and perform this, like, real song. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, eat your heart out, Rick Springfield. I mean, Jimmy Hart, you know, before he comes to WWF, very, very famous, very popular, very over or very hated, however you want to look at it, down in Memphis. The man had managed and infamously managed the infamous Andy Kaufman in his battles with Jerry the King Lawler down in Memphis. But before he even started wrestling and managing in Memphis, he was just living in Memphis trying to become a musician. Jimmy Hart was a musician, and that's why he was so heavily involved in albums like this. That's why on this album, he makes the most earnest effort to create a real song, and that's why later he would actually go write or collaborate or remix most of the music uh, in WCW. During the many years, Jimmy Hart was uh, a part of production in World Championship Wrestling down in Atlanta. And uh, but, but this song is, is just hilariously bad. Your heart Rick Springfield she's my girl
1: and she will be the only girl for me. Ain't no rock and roll singer Gonna take her away from me
0: My
3: question is, what is his beef with Rick Springfield? He hates him, I guess. Okay. Because Jimmy Hart, the songwriter, couldn't possibly want to be second to this no good uh, Rick Springfield who the hell is he well it's kind of confusing too because to bring in Rick Springfield even
0: though Rick Derringer just wrote the, the previous track it's very like uh, okay no it's someone else like it, it's, right. it is maybe because the, the proximity they're so close together these two tracks it's kind of like they're both named Rick, Rick. <laughs> no, that, that's the thing is is the whole Rick thing it's just kind of like what so yeah, I mean it, it is it is a, a legitimate effort on Jimmy Hart's part, and maybe if you didn't already know that it's Jimmy Hart singing, like if you just played this on the radio back in the '80s, people kind of like yeah, it's kind of catchy. Like they, they wouldn't they wouldn't know any better. Um, but it is almost like someone going to karaoke and trying to sing this really serious song, I and mean, they shouldn't.
1: <laughs> yes! It's like I, you you should, yes!
0: you should probably sing in like Who Let the Dogs Out or something else. Uh, just because you shouldn't take it too seriously, it's 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 like making an independent movie. It, it, if you have no budget, make a comedy. Don't take yourself too seriously, yeah.
3: uh, and that's what Jimmy Hart should have done. That, that exactly okay. that because the whole album is that the whole album is well really the whole album is almost literally karaoke, mm. and then there's this song where Jimmy Hart's like. I'm going to show them. <laughs> I'm going to show them who, who's a real good singer.
0: Right. Well, there there are three singles from this album. My um, God. This track is not one of them. Oh, uh,
3: shit. Oh, just so man. you
0: know. Uh,
3: oh, that hurts my heart. That hurts my Jimmy heart.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> it, it definitely hurt his Jimmy heart and his Jimmy soul. Um. Yeah, Land of a Thousand Dances is one of them, and the other two
1: will uh, we'll be getting to later on. Now that's the first real piece of talent I've heard on this side of the album.
4: In all due respect, Jesse Ventura, I couldn't help but detect a little falsetto on the part of Jimmy Hart uh, during the course of that particular tune.
1: That's called voice range.
4: Huh, well, where do you hear the voice range of our next artist, all 300 plus pounds of him. Oh, well, you gotta be talking Vince about not other than Captain Lou
1: Albano. You gotta be kidding, what is Captain Lou Albano gonna do? Strum the rubber bands on his face?
4: All right, standing by is the capper, Captain Lou's
3: History of Music. If anybody is going to give us the history of music, (laughs) who should it be? Should it be a professor of music? Should it be uh, a virtuoso musician? Should it be a historian? Should it be Captain Lou Albano? It should be Captain Lou Albano. Okay. And if he needs, uh, basically, uh, an avatar for the listeners, who should that be? Should it be, um, I don't know, a musician in training? Should it be a, a, a classroom full of uh, students who are interested in, in music history? No, it should be George Animal Steel. Oh, okay. And so that's what we're treated to. Is it sounds like we're in a big hall. It sounds like we might be in a lecture hall. (laughs) And we hear George the Animal Steel yelling for Captain Lou. Hey! Captain! You go! Well, he gets him. And then he gets Captain Lou telling a story about something, something, Albano is beating something again, i don't know bones on skin and he created a drum and therefore he then says captain lou i am captain lou and i created everything i don't (laughs) know i don't really know what that means yeah um
0: they said captain lou you'll be great go write a song for our album and uh it'll be good and catchy and, and 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 audible and uh, it's, it's no good, it's no good. It
3: won't be discordant nonsense. Right. Wait, it might be. <laughs> That's I, what this is. It does have that
1: little bit, Captain Lou, Captain Lou, Captain. Once man. it
0: actually becomes a song, it, it's kind of just fun. But getting there is pretty tough. It's tough. It's pretty tough because it's just Captain Lou and George Steele just making noises at each other uh, for the most part. But uh, this track is produced by Mona Flambe. Good friend of Captain Lou Albano. Moda Flambea, of course, aka Cindy Lauper. Uh, that's the producer of the track. Oh. Okay. She decided not to put her real name on it. Which by the way, we don't mention Real American. The back the, the backup vocals are Cindy Lauper on Real American. We also don't mention that. <laughs> Just so a little, little bit of that, a little bit more about Real American there, folks. Uh, but anyway, Cindy Lauper is all over this album. It's not a surprise because uh, she's in the Land of a Thousand Dances
3: uh, music video. In disguise. She, she's... She, so she might be everywhere, but she's nowhere. Right. She's, she's hidden in plain sight. Absolutely involved in wrestling at this time. I mean,
0: Goonies, Good Enough, and all that stuff's going on. Rock and wrestling. There you go. So, uh, yeah, just more Cyndi Lauper and why she's not in the Wrestling Hall of Fame, we'll not know.
3: Oh, don't get me started. Hang on, Darren.
0: Um, anyway, so this track is this track And uh, that's about all we can say About this track <laughs>
1: I'm gonna be your dining I've impressed the history of rock and roll with Captain Lou Elfano. What about you, Vince? Oh, that man can sing as well as eat. I'll tell you what, it didn't sound to me like he was strumming the rubber bands. It sounded like he was chewing on them.
4: I'll tell you, I was impressed. Give me a break, Jesse.
1: Give you a break? Who could produce something like that?
4: Wait a minute, I believe I've got it here on paper. Vince McMahon, who is this?
1: Uh, it's a uh, Mona Flambe.
4: Mona Flamboyant produced that? No, but speaking of flamboyant, that takes us to our next artist, and it's gotta be the heavyweight champion of the world, the group, the World Wrestling Federation All Stars. Here it is, Hulk Hogan's theme coming up.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So this is Hulk Hogan's theme. It no, is, it's, it's not. It's not, and that's the weird thing is it never actually becomes Hulk Hogan's theme. It is, however, used in Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, uh, the cartoon, which was. But that's a whole other thing we should talk about in the show. Oh, totally. At some point. Um, this song, however, is awesome. This could have very
3: easily been Hogan's theme. It is, right. Real, but it could have actually been. I, I agree. Real American is sort of untouchable, but this is a great entrance thing. This is the song that was never on a rocky soundtrack. Thank you. I was like, this is the response. To all of the Rocky music.
0: Right. Just like Eye the Tiger. Is, right. You know, Real American is definitely Eye of the Tiger. Um, but no, it's great, man. Really, it's got that... It's got those... Uh, it's got the... <laughs> it's piano, I guess, but... It's got synthesizer in there yeah. and all, all kinds of the good '80s sounds that you love. Oh and yeah! It's inspirational. Know, this they're... will give you another five minutes elliptical. So between <laughs> yeah. your American and Hogan's theme, you got ten extra minutes in elliptical,
3: guys. Oh, man, you're you're losing all kind of lbs. You're
0: doing it. I mean, not that I've done any of that, but I mean,
3: yeah. Between the piano banging and the like, I get the sounds of like explosive clapping. Like people are clapping and cannons fire and you and you hear people actually chanting Hulk Hulk yeah it's like oh wow I could I kind of wish he had come out to this for a little while
0: yeah absolutely
3: I mean that would have been amazing to be in an arena where everybody is chanting Hulk along with the Hulk that's already part of the of the music right that would have been that would have been pretty cool that would have been pretty neat This is a this is a good piece of music here, and you know Vince McMahon sells it as being performed by the WWF All Stars. <laughs> what does that mean, Vince McMahon? What Kayfabe. is that even? What is that even? K-Fabe? What is that even? K-Fabe? Oh,
4: that's absolutely oh, sensational. man! That is sensational! <laughs> that is fabulous! Everybody has to like that one. Jesse, get your face out of the plumbing! they are almost there. Come on, Jesse. Oh,
1: I got through it.
4: Yeah, well, you may not get through this next cut with uh, considering whom is going to tackle this
1: one. I agree. I feel better already. A dear, dear friend of mine. For everybody. Rowdy. Roddy. Piper.
4: Are you ready for this, Gene?
0: (laughs) Ah, yes, Jesse's Happy as I am about this next track. (laughs) Roddy Piper's For Everybody. Um, which is uh, as, far as, as far as I can tell an original track by Roddy Piper, um, who gave a pretty serious response to "Hey Roddy, you want to do a track on the wrestling album?" Um, it, it's 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 good because it's it's in character, Roddy Piper, but because he's trash talking people basically. But I mean, it's a, it's
3: a song. Song. It is. It's a real song. It's a legit song, and uh, I don't think it's quite as. Uh, as, as much of an uh, earnest effort as Jimmy Hart's. No, no. Eat no. your heart out. Rick Springfield. Right.
0: Who cares if Jimmy Hart loves somebody? Like, he should just be talking trash. He's the... Mouth of the
3: South. Well, he is. He's talking trash to, to Rick, Rick Springfield, Springfield,
0: right? Right. Who is not here to defend himself. Well, he's trying to get you know Cindy away from
3: Jimmy. You can't. You can't have that. But anyway, this is Piper's track, and uh you know what's funny? I just thought of. Oh, we we're mentioning the Goonies, and we we're mentioning Rick Springfield, Uh Mouth from the Goonies, aka Corey Feldman.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: in his adult years, would go on to produce. uh Several albums actually, but uh, the second album that he produced with the Corey Feldman band <laughs> was actually co written and produced by Rick Springfield. Wow, and uh, I uh, I had the privilege of seeing Corey Feldman play in concert, saw him in the front row, nice, at, at a very uh, small venue
2: mm-hmm.
3: in Tallahassee, Florida. At which he name dropped Rick Springfield like twenty five times. Hey man, that's pretty big. Back but hey, in, by the that, end of, back in the eighties. <laughs> but uh, by the end of the night, uh, he had invited me and uh, my entire party to his uh, wedding, uh, which actually uh, did did occur. Mm-hmm. We didn't go. We did. We ha- We were invited, but uh, the wedding ended up taking place on. The very first season of the surreal life on VH one, so that's how close I could have been to being on the surreal life. It's a good thing I wasn't. Yeah. I would not want that to be my uh uh claim to fame. Right. Well and you know. For now, I guess snakes on a train is your claim to fame. Yikes.
0: Uh, I don't claim it. You can IMDB that one, uh, fans.
3: Thank you very much for that. <laughs>
0: but anyway, Piper's very... Piper's track. Uh we're talking about Piper's track here. Um, is yours, yours
3: Pepto Abysmal?
0: Pepto abysmal There's <laughs> several. Um Oh ooh, things you guys don't know about uh, Darren and Perry. Oh, IMDBS, and you'll be like, Bleh. um So anyway, uh Piper's track. There's not much to say about it. It's it's just it's a fairly honest attempt by Piper. It's catchy, it's fun, it's Piper. So I, th- I think he he knocks it out of the park with this one. He didn't win any Grammys, okay? We'll say that. But I think he he got the job done.
1: Oh yeah, my sentiments exactly, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Come
4: on, Gene, wake up! You've got business oh, oh, to attend oh, oh, to. Oh, that's the pits. So I got, Oh, wait a minute! I'm next. Run. Hold on. Just a right here, Hold can on. you believe this? Right here in our very own
1: studio, Mean Gene's gonna get down. Can you believe it? Well, I'll tell you what. He's definitely a fruity with tutti. Mean Gene Oakland doing Tootie Fruity. Are you ready,
4: Mean Gene?
1: I'm ready. All right, take it away, Mean Gene.
0: All right, now this song, this is not an original by any stretch. This is a Tootie Fruity. You're telling me that Gene Oakland did not write this song? I'm pretty sure that he did not write Tootie Fruity. Um, which, when I hear Tootie Fruity, I always think of Tootie Fruity Fresh and Fruity. I
3: hop pancakes. Uh, that's Rudy Tootie. Oh. Fresh and fruity. Oh
0: no, Mr. I hop over here. I'm Mr. Denny's. You see, so I get it I get it wrong. I well, I know you're Mr. Denny's. Right, right, right. Whenever I hear body slam, I think a grand slam when I think about, you know, building my own slam and not really. Um so anyway,
3: uh I'd like to build a slam. (laughs) Famous last words. I think that's gonna be on your tombstone. I'd like to build a here lies Perry Smith. I'd like to build a slam. I'd like to build a slam? Um, but anyway, uh two orders of egg whites.
0: So I I guess mean they said hey Mean Gene you want to do something and he was like, hey, I'll 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 cover Trudy Fruity by uh, what little Richard? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, and they were like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, so I don't know why what possessed me to sing, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's it's him nonetheless. So it's funny because it's it's McMahon and Ventura and uh, Oakland talking, you know, between tracks, and then all of a sudden Oakland's like, "Well, I better go do my song," you know. And it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, all right, Mean Gene, go do your song," uh, which is odd. So. It's the only time you hear all, all these three guys is on uh, "Land of a Thousand Dances" altogether. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean that—that's a. Uh, I mean, I'm for
3: with you. Ventura. These three should definitely have done a duet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
1: All right, Mean Gene, getting down. I can't believe it. I'll tell you what, Mean Gene, you and Little Richard got almost nothing in common. Oh, it's about
4: the hair. Don't say it. Oh, in any event, Hillbilly Jim doesn't have much in common with you, Jesse.
1: Wait, wait, just a minute. You told me this was a rock and roll album. That's why I participated in it. What's Hillbilly (laughs) Jim got to do with rock and roll? Wait,
4: wait a minute, Jesse. I think it's important you have a little soul, even though it be a country soul. And perhaps you best take heed of the title of this next cut by Hillbilly Jim. Don't go messing with a country boy. Yee-haw! Yee-haw!
3: Oh man, and I know I mentioned earlier that Hillbilly Jim as a wrestler is in my top 25 all time, and that couldn't be more true. Love Hillbilly Jim. He's one of those uh, specimens that's like, this dude never worked out. He was born, you know six foot tall and a man among men as a matter of fact <laughs> that's what this song is about i mean this is kind of a this is kind of a, a a song that's done in earnest but at the same time it's befitting of a silly character so i guess by its very nature it's kind of tongue in cheek but the song don't go messing with a country boy is a direct order to you to don't Go messin'. <laughs> with no G. There's no G there. No, no, uh, no, no, no. It's not a complete... Uh, what is that called? Uh is that called a gerund? Is it a gerund or a diphthong? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that wasn't an English major. Uh, but there's no G. It's messin'. Yeah. Don't go messin' with a country
0: boy. <laughs> right. Now, if, if had this song been released in, like, the, the 1940s or 50s or, like... All like the, you know, all those songs back in those days, and like, Marty Robbins and shit. Marty Robbins? Is not from the 40s? Was oh, he 30s and 20s?
3: Marty Robbins?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I'm thinking of someone else. Hold
3: on. Marty Robbins is out in the West.
1: Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, that's does. not that old. I mean, I'm trying to go back to, uh, the, the, there's so much spoken word. Music back in like the old old days, and, and this came out with all that. I can't I can't think of an example to put out with it that would totally back this up. But I I know what I mean. But not Marty Robbins. But not Marty Robbins, clearly. But you know, just just and especially like country songs, right? I mean, this this totally would have worked. You know, forty years ago would have sure. been a huge country hit. Like you know what this guy understands, well, this, man. Forty years ago. Well, maybe not four. Well, 40, forty years, years ago <laughs> isn't what forty years ago was. Oh, God. Oh, God. 40 uh, years ago was gross. disco.
3: Shit. Well, I guess 80 years ago. I don't oh know. Oh, my God. How? Oh, man. 70 years ago? No, know. no, you're right. And that's what your, your second number was painfully accurate. It hurts my heart. What happened to our lives? No, what but, happened to last century? <laughs> well, I don't want to dwell on that because I will actually get
0: depressed. But, I mean, that this, this song works. And it, it does become Hillbilly Jim's uh, his theme. Becomes his anthem. This is his real American. Real country boy.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, it's great song, too. Like, I like all the lyrics that are happening here. They're great. The, lyrics They're the story of him growing up. Yeah, man. And all the reasons why you don't go messing with a country boy.
1: Don't go messing with a country boy. A country boy. A country boy. Don't go messing with a country boy. Don't mess with a country boy. He grew and he
3: grew. And by the time he was 10, he was six foot tall and a man among men. (laughs) Cut his teeth on a big oak tree and all that fun stuff. And I believe it. Again, looking at Hillbilly Jim, that dude is a beast. Like, he could stand next to Hulk Hogan, and if he were not completely covered up by overalls and hair, (laughs) he would be just as impressive of a physical specimen as Hulk Hogan. But I guess Hulk Hogan, trying to keep his heat, was like, uh, let's cover this dude up. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's cover his whole body in denim, dude. And, uh-huh. and like, let's grow uh, so much hair and beard. It's like, I don't know where the hair s- starts. And the beard stops, dude.
0: He is like an illustration of a muscle-bound hillbilly come to life. Like he is he is a caricature come to life. He is a, like a Muppet come to life. He is. It's
3: a Muppet. A Muppet like he yeah. looks like Sweetums, the Muppet. Yeah, exactly. And that hat, can I please get one of those hats? It's like basically a gigantic piece of brown felt with no shape.
0: Yeah.
3: How, I don't know how it stays on his head, especially on that mound of Sweetums hair, but it does. This is one of my favorite tracks on this album. This is one of my favorite entrance themes of all time. Big fan. All good. So yeah, Hillbilly Jim was
0: great. I don't think he was ever destined to win any championships. By the way, I think he's one of those guys that just—he is like an embodiment of wrestling, of a character in wrestling. And when you're when you said this earlier, when you're with all these other super characters, these fully gimmick people, he fits right in there with them. Man, like it's—it's—I want to say like it's the wacky races. Like everyone's got their they're super gimmicks you know and uh yeah he's he's one of, the, one of the best from back in those days for sure wrestling wise never, but still hillbilly jim man he looked it and he walked the walk which by the way this was a single off the album Yeehaw!
1: I sure hope you got the message, Jesse Ventura. Well, I'll tell you what, Vince, it doesn't matter if I got the message. It's dead Brutus. Beefcake did a message.
4: Well, I don't know about that. I don't know if it's important that anybody got a message. After all, you've got to take into consideration our next artist and our next song, Vince. Boy, I'll say you got the message all the way from Moscow. Well, yes. Can you trust the man who is on a first-name basis with Mikhail Gorbachev? Give me a break, Jesse.
1: Let me tell you this. It's Nikolai Volkov doing... Kara
3: Because Real American doesn't count. This is my favorite track on the album. Wow. Kara is totally stupid. The fact that Nikolai Volkov is singing it is even more stupid. <laughs> the fact that he's doing it, I guess, I, I it's like he's the dancing monkey for the Iron Sheik. He just does whatever Iron Sheik tells him to do. Because Iron Sheik is an agitator. But all that said, I can't get enough of this song. I've been listening to this song for 32 years. And there's something about it that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. There's something about it because
0: it it hits the chord of the, uh, the wrestling, obviously, from back in the day. The nostalgia. But also, there's that 80s element, especially when that synthesized drum kicks in. It's just Nikolai Volkov being Nikolai Volkov, but he has the benefit of a uh, professional uh, uh, female backup singers who really kind of carried this song, you know, throughout. So it it sounds good, even though Nikolai doesn't necessarily sound
3: good. But he doesn't sound bad either. He has this crazy baritone. I mean, because I guess he's in key. Yeah. And if he's in key and he's got this rich like, truly deep baritone, it comes across kind of cool. Some,
0: I mean, these elements seem like they would not work, but somehow they work well together. Right. No, I, I totally agree. It, it should not be listenable, and I want to play <laughs> this for someone who's not a fan of wrestling, necessarily, and then be like, uh, what are listening to? Like, I wonder how oh, yeah. long
3: it would take them to be like, the
0: fuck is this? Yeah, they're
3: not, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is not going to... Old water, right? With a non-wrestling fan, or for someone who nostalgia plays no factor. <laughs> well, I think I may have to
0: put that to the test and see how long it takes for my passenger to be like, "Yeah, what is this?" Right? Uh,
3: sorry, huh? Yeah. What's really funny, of course, is that I guess obviously the baby faces, Vince McMahon and Gene Okerlund, are already disgusted. But not disgusted enough, apparently, Iron Sheik is like, okay, yes, never mind that you were singing like uh, an actual song, uh, like a like a radio friendly song. Just sing the Russian national anthem. <laughs> Just sing the Soviet <laughs> Russian national anthem a cappella. Yeah, yeah. Which he does. That's great. Nikolai Volkov sings the entire thing a cappella while Iron Sheik screams over it as well as McMahon, and Okerlund, and Ventura. Well, Ventura wants it to continue. He wants to hear
0: it, as if hearing Nikolai Volkov sing the Russian anthem every
3: time he came out wasn't enough. Uh, yeah, sure. It is a churl salve. It is. For the for the ears of one Jesse the Body Ventura. Right.
0: And for, for me, the wrestling fan, because everyone's doing their part perfectly, you know, um, and uh, that's it. That's, that's And when
3: they're all doing it at once, it's very perfectly wrestling. It's a, oh, absolutely. It's a cacophony of spite and malaise. It is a cacophony of spite and malaise,
0: which is my autobiography uh, title. <laughs> um, but I guess not if you're gonna ruin it there. Um, but yeah, I mean that is the wrestling album, and uh, it's great when it's great and it's not when it's not but I mean it is uh, it's a one, time capsule it is 100% nostalgia 100% uh,
3: WWF so I love it I loves it and the cover art again just buy the CD or the LP if you can find it just for the cover art I don't buy it and just you know get that framed fold it out and get it framed man. yeah no reason not to because it's a that's a beautiful piece of artwork they got, going back to when we talked about Land of a Thousand Dances, Land of a Thousand Wrestlers, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what the album cover looks like. Yeah. You, they got, I, it looks like they got most of those people in the, in the actual room for the actual picture. I think there might be a couple people who are, uh, what, as, before Photoshop, so yeah. they weren't Photoshopped in. What does it, it have been called? Um, We've had Photoshop for too long. But featured prominently in the front are McMahon, Okerlund, and Ventura, and Ventura has never looked
0: better. And they are the stars of the album, to me, even though Hogan has more or less two themes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but never utters a word. Right, never actually, you actually hear Hogan, even though he's the musician. He plays bass, and then he was playing the bass. Yeah, I mean, you, all the wrestlers on the uh, on the cover, and again, all the wrestlers that are involved in uh, Land of a Thousand Dances, and again, going back to why why is Hogan not involved? Why is Savage really not involved at all? If he didn't show up in the uh, in the video, you wouldn't even know if Savage was around at this time. No. Also, Anvil gets a line, but not Bret Hart, which is weird. Because even back then, Hart was kind of quiet and kind of like, oh, Anvil, he does all the talking. <laughs> they look very young. Yeah, they're very, very, very young. They're here. 12 years old. There, <laughs> uh, very, very young. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, great album. <laughs> it's, it's not, but it is for us wrestling fans. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a wrestling fan. So you will enjoy it. If you have not heard the wrestling album, if you didn't even know it existed, go check it out. Give it a listen, and you know what? Let us know what you thought. And there's a lot of ways you can let us know what you thought. Uh, you can do so on our Twitter, at Refn Show Podcast. That's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, at The Whole Refn Show. Like and share. And uh, join us, man. If you want to send us an email, you can do that to our Gmail account, show at gmail.com. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W
3: at gmail.com or... Or dig us up on Instagram. We're not hard to find. We are The Whole Refins Show. Most of you have already found us, but uh, those of you who haven't... We don't know if most have found us or not, Darren. Well, I, I'm bunch of you have found us. That's better. Hundreds of you have found us. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to thank all of you for finding us and adding us and talking to us. I mean, man, between the comments and the private messages, it's been really killer to meet a lot of you. And meet more and more of you as the weeks go by. You're really, listeners, you're really coming out of the woodwork here. And thank you for being vocal. It's very encouraging for both Perry and myself to hear directly from you. Yeah, man. Um, because you know we do this because it's a lot of fun, but we we do this for the listeners. Absolutely, and, and, and so it's cool to hear from you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally uh, I back that statement up. Um, also on the Twitter, a lot of you guys are finding us. Uh, had a huge boost on Facebook recently. Uh, we appreciate it. On Twitter, it's mostly wrestlers. I gotta say that are following us. So fans, don't be shy. Find us on Twitter, please. And uh, yeah, so these wrestlers—they just want to hear about themselves. I understand. I mean, we're the ones with a, our own show, so we're the we're the jerks. I also like to hear about myself. I like to hear about myself. I just oh, like to
3: I just like to hear myself.
0: Let's be bad. We like it. Um, so anyway, uh, that's our show, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did not, let us know. Uh, if you did, let us know. Uh, if you did not, if you were indifferent, let us know. Yeah, if you were indifferent, let us know. If you don't want to let us know, let us know. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that's it. And uh, that means my name is Perry Smith. My name
3: is Darren Beasley.
0: And we'll see you next week, folks, on the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole Reffin' show. Ah,
1: Yourself. The song that most people oh, sing to anybody else the Russian National Anthem. Not a lot. Listen to this. I oh, don't know. I think it is. No, no, Here it is. Oh, hey, you guys keep it down. I want to hear it. I have to keep it up. The whole album has been great. This is garbage. This is insulting. Come on, this is, Jesse, this is an American album. You know what that means. It doesn't matter when you're a musician. You listen to notes, McMahon. Listen. That's discord. That's, oh. Only Freddie Blassie can be proud of that. Oh, please, <speaking> mean, I'm not, I'm not somebody, up with this. somebody, somebody throw a switch. You, get him out of there. Oh. Wait a minute now. Oh. I put up with a lot of stuff on this album. I had to listen to the junkyard dog. Now you guys wait a minute. There's only one fitting way to end this album. Oh? Let's us three sing a duet. Yeah. Be- a a- you- duet? You want the three of us? The three of us end the album with a duet. Oh. Uh. Jesse, wait a second.
4: Jesse, stay right there. Yeah. Vince, come here. I've got to talk to you.
1: Uh, sure. Can you hang on, Jesse? Wait a minute. Where are you guys going? Where uh. you guys go just a minute. You two dudes come back here now. I've been waiting through this whole album because it's my turn to sing now. It's Jesse the Body's turn turn to do rock and roll. And I got you two rats Ah. heading out the door. You two dudes get back in here. I'm not finished yet. It's my turn to sing.